0: You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, a Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday.
1: I remember getting in trouble for uh, quoting back the line where the one like rough and tumble old cowboy looks at, uh, uh, Christy? Was it,
0: was it? You expect me to remember the name of any of no, the characters No, not the character, the, the
1: actor. Who the fuck was the Crystal. Oh. Billy Crystal? Was it Billy Crystal? Oh, crystal i was like christy i don't I know said, yeah, I thinking, like, it billy some, crystal yeah, yeah billy
0: crystal where the Billy old, crystal was in city of gold or um city city slickers. slickers yeah
1: the old guy looks at him is like i crap bigger than you and like i'm like i quoted that back and i got in trouble for it if that tells you <laughs> anything about my sense of humor now as an adult then. as
0: like from parents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah which so like conversely uh like my mom and i watched that movie together and would quote it back and forth <laughs> to each other because we watched City Slickers and City Slickers 2. Yes. Um yeah. I mean They're,
1: they were fun movies. They were dumb as were hell, really but fun. they were fun. I don't
0: really remember them now. Like i couldn't i couldn't tell you a quote from City Slickers now, but i do remember thoroughly enjoying that movie when when it was out. Should we Both do a
1: like like a western comedy month and and include City Slickers? I we haven't
0: like, really done any western movies man. really. I mean our very first movie was a west. <laughs> I, yeah, our very yeah, Billy the
1: Kid versus Dracula, Cowboys and Aliens. Come on, man. We've done All right. We've yeah, we have done alright we have done the best westerns. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, like I feel like you know like City Slickers is part of this whole western like comedy subgenre that I think is yeah. It's largely unappreciated, or at least we under like appreciated. Three
0: amigos.
1: Yes, right. Yes, you, you. Yeah, you. You, fucking, you. This guy gets it.
0: I. I get it. <laughs> I know what's up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this. Uh, this is not the month for that because no. this month we this- are racing down the charts. <laughs> we are racing to the bottom.
1: Uh once again, if you're if you're somehow just tuning in this month, uh, I mean, maybe go back and listen to at least a couple episodes so you know what you're in for. But uh as we did uh last month, we had our chill vibes apocalypse for the entire month of May. Everything was just real low-key, you know, the the world was coming to an end, but you know, it's fine. We'll get there eventually. Uh but here we are in the month of June. The world has ended, we are in the full-on apocalypse. And we're we're doing a competition month. We're of the, the four uh, four terrible looking movies that I found uh, for us to watch on B TV this month, we are looking to decide the worst, the actual fucking worst. Uh so here we are, week two. Michael, tell them where we are.
0: Uh so today we're covering the movie Daylight's End, which stars get this, Johnny Strong and Chris uh, Gethard. Wait. No, Lance no, Henriksen. No, Lance <laughs> Henriksen. That's right. Uh, <laughs> they do look a lot alike. Um, so, so the Johnny Johnny Strong is a real actor. It's not a porn actor. I that mean, is a a real. Like legit actor, it
1: absolutely sounds like at the very least a character name for like the cheesiest action movie you've ever watched,
0: like the nine, yeah, like a '90s action film, like the Andy sedaris film, you know, like of the <laughs> '80s, where it's just you know, uh, there's always a scene where a woman is showing her boobs, yeah, and like you know, there was always one liner before he, did you know, so this is Johnny Strong, uh who is is a known actor that he yeah. isn't like he doesn't do B movies like this. He's a he's a recurring character. In the Fast and the Furious series, Um, he plays Leon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't watched them, so I don't know the importance, but he's been in, like, four or five of them, so he's somewhat
1: important. I'm honestly a little surprised to learn that you haven't watched at least, like, most of the Fast and Furious series. (laughs)
0: I I watched Tokyo Drift is my favorite movie of the series. I thought you were going like to say your favorite movie of all time. Like you shut the fuck up. No, no it's not. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. No, Tokyo Drift is is my favorite of the series, but it's one of those movies that's not really considered part of the series. Interesting, because it's not about the none of the main characters are. You know, Vin Diesel's in the last like one minute of the movie, but it's not about. Uh, you know, the only other the only character that's in it is Han. Uh, who was in? You know, was in the first couple, and then he's been in the last like four or five of those films. Um, he's the only recurring character from that series. Uh, in it, so do you think at that point they knew that this was
1: going to be like a decades-spanning franchise, or if they were still just kind of winging it?
0: I feel like they were just kind of winging it in that one because I feel like definitely Tokyo Drift feels like the type of movie where they were like. Yeah, I guess you can do a sequel, but you get a third of the budget size, and you know we'll see where it goes. And then it did really well. Yeah. And then they were like, "Fuck! Now we got to make more of these." And then the next one, they gave it back to the normal budget, and it did t- you know three times the budget. And they're like, "Let's just keep going until they tell us to stop." <laughs> Seriously, it also kind of makes me wonder. Like, I haven't like
1: mind you, I haven't seen a single Fast and Furious movie. I have seen snippets. In fact, I'm I have found myself able to identify a Fast and Furious movie when it's on the television. Like if I'm at a restaurant or something like that, uh, just like there's a certain style that you can pick up on, but I haven't seen a single one of them. But the little bit I know about Tokyo Drift just kind of feels like that, that type of scenario that happens where like you've got a franchise and someone stumbles across a script that's close enough and like, we can make this fit. And so like you throw Vin Diesel in at the end and, like, yeah, have him say something about family, and
0: then there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a Fast and Furious movie, yeah. Oh, I also will admit, Hobbs and Shaw was a great movie. I, I had such a blast with that movie.
1: I actually wanted to see that. That was the first Fast and Furious movie that, like, the trailer made me want to watch it. Like, it actually looked yeah. interesting to me. Um, I guess, like, I don't know, most, like, big... Like popcorn action flicks aren't really my jam anyway. And I'm not super into car culture or like racing in general. Uh, So they just don't super appeal to me. But like, I do love The Rock. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean you know that's the thing like you sign up for a rock movie right mm-hmm. like you know exactly what you're gonna we've meant you know we've talked about this many times before but it's like you you, when you go to a movie with the rock in it you know exactly what you're getting sure and that's you know he, he has not strayed from that sort of like larger than life action star role like I've, I've never really seen him in anything other than that mm-hmm. um, you know so like uh, you get you get that sort of feeling so you know that's what you're going for but when you add on top of that jason statham yeah and idris elba true like come on like this is it was beautiful powerhouse cast absolutely powerhouse yeah absolutely now uh our film for today a little less of a powerhouse cast uh you know johnny strong having been in the fast and furious movies and then he also was in black hawk down Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which that's another one that's a movie where i have to be like very careful how i say it You know, because otherwise people... Right? (laughs) So I just... You just have to over-enunciate every part of that movie title. Otherwise you're like... Which one?
1: (laughs) I, I just... I wonder, like, how long it took someone to point that out during production. Like, it... It's yeah, right there. I mean, it's it's right there. It's it's staring you in the face.
0: <laughs> it is. It's just dangling right there in front of you. Um <laughs> but but yeah, so so he was in those movies. He's been in a couple of other those type of movies, right? You know, sure. in the military stuff like that. Um but he he's built like his face, his, the way he talks, like the way he acts, like he is built for those kind of like macho masculine roles like yeah. his name is johnny strong for right. crying out loud like he he is designed for those kind of roles yeah. which is really great because like throughout this movie every time he would do something i'd be like oh johnny strong <laughs> coming in to save the day you know like it was just great to to call him that even though that's not what is uh his character's name in the movie his character's name is rourke is that a uh, is that his first name or last
1: name just it, smoldering look. It, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> love, yeah. A character asks him that, is that your first name or last name? And he just, he just smolders.
0: Never and says I, a word. And like... I just expect to be like, no, but like, really, is, like, that's a, that's an, an, like, you answered, that wasn't rhetorical. So like, you just, have to answer that question.
1: We're just, we're just not talking on this car ride then? Like, you right. just killed a bunch of dudes, saved my life, and we're just, we're not gonna have a conversation. All, right. All right. All yeah, right, whatever. Oh, I guess okay. I'll shut the fuck up. Because cool. I'm a... I'm a stupid
0: dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Uh, You know, let's get right into it. So, hello and welcome to the Never Rip Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fite. And I am Sabrina Buckets. Yes, you are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, today's movie, as we mentioned, is called Daylight's End. It's currently streaming on Tubi TV in America as of time of recording this uh, episode. Uh, And here's the official IMDb description of this movie. Years after a mysterious plague has turned most of humanity into blood-hungry creatures, a vengeful drifter takes up with a group of survivors in an abandoned police station. Okay, so
1: a couple things about that. One, that's one of the most badass movie descriptions I've ever heard. Just, like, if you distill that to its raw form, like, that's that's the best movie ever made. Um... (laughs) I'm sorry. Right. Second best after Zombie Strippers, um, <laughs> of course. I mean that was that was you know
0: <laughs> understandable.
1: But the second thing uh, is, I did I intentionally started out to look for zombie films, as I you know as I said last week, that was what I was what I was wanting to do. But I saw this one and it looked too good. It looked like I just I want to watch this. And read that description, and I was like, is it zombies? Or is it vampires? Uh, and we can talk a little bit uh, at some point if we if we choose to about why I think it doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, but I was trying to keep it to just zombie movies, so I was digging through like any and all like the reviews or uh, anything else that I could find, and I saw enough references to the word zombie, and I was like, okay, this is fine. But as I was like the first like five minutes of the film, I was like. Fuck, is this vampires?
0: <laughs> so, I mean, this is one of those things where if if you were to ask me, is this a zombie movie or a vampire movie? I would say yes. Yes,
1: exactly. And yes. So, I mean, let's let's cover that for a second, because you know, we what what is a zombie movie? We've we've asked this question before, uh, but the the brief Nohoit recap, what do you consider a zombie movie?
0: So I would say zombie movies are um that the virus spreads via bite. Brainless killers, whether slow or fast, and only a headshot kills them. Okay. This is this is the the three zombie rules. Now the problem is is that also is very close to vampire. Yes. Uh, to a degree, it depends. I mean, like we more often than not see intelligible walking talking vamp. we don't just see mindless vampires where i am legend is the difference right i think this falls in the i am legend world
1: and i am legend is actually a really interesting special case because i am legend both the the source material the original short story novella whatever uh by matheson and uh the will smith film i have not watched omega man or the other um I think there was at least one other adaptation previously, Uh, but at least those two, like, well-known versions of I Am Legend include both. There's, like, a mindless horde, but then there are some that are still intelligent, they they can still talk. In fact, uh, I Am Legend, like, one of my favorite moments in that is that, like, the guy's neighbor is, like, constantly outside his house, like, taunting him, like, come out, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. I I loved that. Uh, But, yeah, so, I Am Legend, great example. Uh, We've talked a bunch of times about The Passage, uh, the Justin Cronin book trilogy that was adapted into an ill-fated miniseries. uh, That was also vampires. There's a few examples where vampires are, or vampiric monsters, are swapped out for Zombies, but everything else is exactly the same. You have this, you know, typically viral plague. It starts somewhere, spreads like wildfire. Most of humanity uh, is either killed or turned within the first, you know, days, weeks, months, whatever. And then you have a group of survivors that are trying to either just stay alive or actively fight back. You have, you know, one of two camps there, and then you know, for for good measure, throw in some shitty humans who don't care who they hurt, and they just, they kill anyone and everyone, monsters and humans alike. Uh, and to that regard, that version of vampire mythology, I consider, like, I just counted as zombie movies. They're basically the same thing. It's just you're replacing one monster name and a little bit of, like, what drives them for another... Uh, but the rules essentially stay the same. Now that said, this one does deviate from the quote unquote rules a little bit. Like you specifically mentioned uh, for you, the headshot is, is key. And that like, we know that from zombie lore and like a lot of them, like if, if they acknowledge the, the plague at all, like, you know, I think Shaun of the Dead's famous scene like, you must remove the head or destroy the brain. I never thought I'd hear myself say those words on television. <laughs> um, like that's, that's classic. Like you ask someone, how do you kill a zombie? Most people are going to say headshot or, or cut off the head. And even, like, some cutting off the head doesn't do anything because the head still moves, which I think is creepy. Uh, this one takes a little liberties with that. We see a lot of head shots, but we also see a lot of these monsters go down with just, like, you know, chest or leg shots or, like, torso shots, things like that. And it at least stops them, if not kills them. And I found that to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. And, you know, aside from just the body shots with the guns, there's a few times where zombies are just stabbed Mm -hmm. in the chest and they just die or the the creatures, whatever they are. Um, But then the other big one uh, about this is which is why it kind of tilts back to vampire they die in the sun. Yeah, that's the other big, another big deviation, which is why you're kind of getting a little bit of both uh, zombie and vampire. But the big thing that's never really shown or explained is: are these creatures eating the flesh, or are they just drinking the blood? We it's never true. really get a definitive answer on what they're what they're doing. Yeah. So, like the description says, blood hungry creatures. But nobody in the film says that. Nobody says they're after our blood. They just say, like... They specifically say, like, I don't want to be eaten by one of those creatures. Yeah. So we don't really get a definitive answer if it's just blood.
1: Yeah, and, like, we only really, like, see the creatures, quote-unquote, feeding a couple of times. Like, there's, like, once or twice where... One of the characters will stumble across one in progress of feeding. And it's just that moment of like, you hear the kind of like wet noises and then they look up, blood all over their face. But like, we don't see them actively consuming. So that I think is the biggest thing that sets this uh, apart from what we would consider a traditional zombie movie is that there's none of that. Like, there's, there's plenty of blood and gore and violence, but there's none of that, like, people just being torn apart and, like, entrails being munched on or, like, uh, someone saving a leg for a snack for later, you know, things like that. We don't see any of that. Um, and then, as you said, add in the the element of sunlight, which makes it made for one of the, the coolest intro scenes to one of these movies that I think we've seen in a long time. Because uh, our, our main character, Rourke, pulls up in his badass armored muscle car... Uh, to this, like, gas station in the middle of nowhere, this, you know, dust bowl town. And he hears a commotion inside an old, like, freezer chest and immediately reacts to, like, make sure it's locked shut. And I'm like, okay, well, there's, there's a monster in there. He's, he's not going to let it out. Someone, like, maybe someone got shoved in there and died. They turned. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those where, like, no matter how you die, you turn sort of stories. Uh, oh, but then he ties it like a chain to it and drags it with his car. Like what? What are we doing here? What are we? <laughs> Turns out he then let it out into the sunshine, and it just like the visceral scream. Let me tell you, I was not prepared for how loud the volume was on,
0: on my headphones. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a really interesting opening, and obviously that opening served to show that the zombie that these creatures, we'll just mm-hmm. say creatures are you know are are adverse to sunlight um so that that was like your here's your you know here's your monster version this is what you're what we're looking for yeah um which i thought was really interesting and it was you know as soon as that happened i was like oh are they vampires you know i like wasn't sure at that point but uh i i do think it's it's a it's a pretty healthy mixture of of each, yeah, um, and the one thing we see in this is something that we also see in vampire hordes. Is there is an alpha. Yes. Um, which is something more often found in uh vampires, and I Am Legends, another great example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where there's the alpha vampire. Um, that this these uh this film had the alpha. Um, but there's a lot of confusion, which we'll talk about a little later in in the episode, about the alpha and how it relates to Rourke, yeah. because it said it like say something, but then he says something that kind of contradicts it, and so I, I want to like talk about it because it was very confusing.
1: Yeah, and it it is worth noting that that concept of like a particular like a leader cast or a particularly smart uh, zombie or whatnot does sometimes pop up in zombie lore, uh, and I specifically think it's worth mentioning because. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a tie-in to a, a fairly recent and well-known zombie story, Army of the Dead. Uh, the actor who plays the character of Sam, Chelsea Edmondson, was in Army of the Dead as one of the, um, I think, yeah, as was one of the zombies. She's the bride that gets killed, uh, in the epic casino scene. Uh, and of course, that movie, fam- well, maybe not famously, I don't know, to me, famously had, uh, a variety of different types of, of, um. Uh, zombie creatures uh so just just interesting there but yeah you're right that is something that we don't typically see in a zombie film
0: yeah which was uh which was pretty interesting but uh so you know we mentioned that the you know how the movie starts Rourke pulls up to the uh the gas station you know uh burns the zombie and then hightails it out of there. Uh, Something worth noting, um, nobody says anything in this movie until the 11-minute mark, and that is only Rourke saying shit, and then it's another two minutes before another, like, an actual conversation, like, actual dialogue starts, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I really liked
1: that, because it created a lot more, like, tension and, like, this sense of a world that's gone to hell and, like... You know, we we get the feeling for a while that Rourke could be the only one left alive. Uh, and I love when, it, when a film does that successfully, when it just, it sits in the silence with the main character for as long as they can.
0: Yeah, the other thing, the thing that got me, though, or the thing that bothered me about this is that there are two opening credit sequences, and neither of them are the same. <laughs> Oh, so when the movie first begins, they start listing off the all the actors' names and all that stuff while he's driving yep, yep, and, and yep, stuff yep. like that. And then the the gas station scene happens, and then we go into another different uh, credit scene uh, where it's listing like the other actors, director of photography, director, that sort of thing. It was really weird how they like bridged. What and <clears throat> sorry,
1: wasn't it uh, just one of them specifically that also does the kind of like montage that's supposed to show us like the the end of the world happening and then like this is like this is how we got here which a lot of movies will do to greater or lesser success
0: yeah. I mean, uh, the most recent Godzilla, uh, movie did a really good job of that yeah. showing like the atomic bomb testing and, and, and like all the classified documents about Godzilla mm-hmm. that did a really good job of like kind of clearing up origin story things. So they didn't have to go into that. And I, um,
1: I do like that, especially if it's, if it's
0: a character, we've
1: seen a bunch like Godzilla or like when the, the, um, much reviled, uh, Hulk movie, uh, that apparently is not part of the MCU canon, but I still think should be, and I know that's a hot take. Uh, you know, We've seen that character's origin plenty of times, but they just did a, a really good montage during the uh, the opening credits. I've seen that done really successfully. I don't think that this one was as successful, because it really just felt like a bunch of stock footage of like bad things happening. It didn't really feel like it gave us story. Uh, <clears throat> and I think that that's going to be probably my biggest complaint throughout this whole film, is that while while I don't believe the film was badly made I think they just left a lot on the table that like could have given us more more details more background what was the plague do we know anything about it how long is well we know it's been roughly 3 years we we do find that out um but we don't we don't really ever learn the rules and I feel like that's that's another like stock trope of Most zombie films, uh, whether it be like Zombieland where they're explicit about it or other ones where it just kind of comes up, you typically learn the rules of these creatures. And we don't, we really don't in this, other than they don't do daylight.
0: Yeah. That, that was another thing that, you know, and, and the other thing about that is that it specifically came up in conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Sam who Rourke, uh, ends up saving from a group of Marauders. Mm -hmm. Um, he ends up saving her and she's like, yo, I I'm with a large group. We've got shelter. We can give you food, ammo, like bring me back to that place. We'll hook you up. Um, and you know, at one point she says to him, like, you know, how do you think this all started? Like, you know, have you heard anything about that? And he was like, well, it doesn't matter. And I was like, it matters to me. Yeah, Like, (laughs) tell me something, just say like, I don't know, it started in a lab. I don't know, you know, like whatever, like give us some, th- like it, it, it can be a generic answer, but like we deserved some sort of answer there. And like I get it from the
1: point of view of that character, like he feels like none of this matters, like all I have is is my mission. You know, we get a sense he's he's out for revenge of some sort, and we get the, <clears throat> uh, in my opinion, severely overdone, uh, like hazy flashback to the like wife in bed. And smiling so, like, with her yeah. pregnant body, and then at one point we get a, a jump scare moment where her face turns and she's a monster. Like, saw that coming, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. To him, okay, fine, doesn't matter. But like, we still want to know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, the other frustrating thing, you know, and uh, you know, aside from it being incredibly cliche, you know, uh, is the frustrating thing about the, his whole wife thing. And I don't. Here's the thing. I kind of feel like I'm very torn on it though. I wanted to know where this, where the creatures came from. Mm-hmm. Give me something, mm-hmm. even if it's a throwaway line of like, "Well, this all started in some Oregon lab or at the CDC in Atlanta, whatever." Just give me some sort of stupid line. Sure. I'm like, oh, okay, I can extrapolate from there." Yep. I saw the wife. You know, the first flashback we get to the wife is very early in in the film. It's when he's sleeping in his car before he gets to Sam. I'm mean, we're talking like first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, got it. His wife died from the zombies. Now he's a loner you know, or from the creatures and now he's alone or just wandering around. Cool. Totally get it. Like, it's a trope. You know, it's very cliche. Like, I don't need that explanation. But as the movie went on, I think they did too much of the like, you you know what the story is. You know, like they they relied too much on the audience having watched a lot of other zombie films. Yeah. To the point where I was like, you have to give me something though. Like I'm fine, like if they gave the rules, if they were like, yeah, these ones are weird, you know, sunlight kills them, you know, bullets, bullets kill them for some reason. I don't know how biologically that works based on what we know of both the zombies and vampires. Yeah, That's how neither of them die. Uh, You know, so it was just like, if they had given us any one of those elements as a story, I would feel so much better about it, but everything was left uh, completely unsaid.
1: Well, and I th- I think, you know, we we made the point recently, if not just last week, the the whole notion of that you, you can't you can't expect it's unreasonable to expect the characters in a film to know what genre they're in. Cool, sure. It's also unreasonable to expect that your audience knows all the rules.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's the other thing, because then it becomes unaccessible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for
1: for the movie. Because so, what and- if someone stumbled across this and is not like you know, hasn't done the zombie genre to death, like you and I have, and like a lot of our listeners probably have, they're not going to know what's going on at all. And like, you know, maybe they're fine with just rolling with it, but like, I don't, just don't assume that.
0: Yeah. So the other frustrating part about this is again, in that same conversation, uh, Sam and Rourke are talking, they're back at the, at the base And Sam gives him the story of how she got to where she got. You know, Mm -hmm. she says like... You know, everything, you know, everything was breaking to hell. We heard on the news, like, barricade your doors, lock the doors, stay inside. Yep. So her and her husband were inside. The the creatures get in. He's like, go lock yourself in the, in the bathroom, like, stay safe. And so finally he does, and she says, you know, she says, like, you know, or she does, and she says, like, I hear all this racket, and then it just stops. Mm. And I'm wondering, like, what's going on? And then her husband breaks in. He's a creature now. He tries to attack her, and then his brother comes in and saves her. And that's how she got involved with all with this group. That's how yeah. she got involved with this group. And the problem is is that she then turns it onto Rourke to say, like, so you know like what happened and the only thing he says is which we had already there's a, there's uh the moment when they're coming into the headquarters for the very first time uh you know they're they're fighting away from the creatures and just as they're shutting the door he locks eyes with a really big one who yeah. has like a like a camel like a hood on mm-hmm. or something like that and he's like he looks at him and and we the audience sees that he has a face of like oh, no, that guy, right? Like, it it is definitely, like, he knows this person. And she even says, like, you saw that, the big one, and you had a a, a face of recognition on you. Like, tell me the story.
1: Which I think is really interesting, too, because she goes from, like, this guy saved my life. I vouched for him, let him in. I promised him a bunch of supplies, and then he's gonna be on his way. And everyone was like, no, how do you know? We can't trust him. Mind you, as an aside, she doesn't once try to explain, like, no, he's not here to kill us all. He literally took out, like, seven guys that were all trying to kill me, and he methodically killed them all after those dudes killed the rest of my team. He's not responsible for their death, even though you're trying to accuse him of it. Like, these marauders killed my team, were going to kill me. He took them out. He saved me and this uh, this woman who has just completely lost it and is, like, being protective of a ba- of a doll, thinking it's a real baby. Like... He's okay. She goes from, like, defending him, uh, again, not not as explicitly as I would have expected her to, to just suddenly being like, no, you know something. What do you know? I don't trust you. I don't trust him. You know? He
0: he just, I just don't trust him. And, like, you fucking brought him here. (laughs) Yeah, it was the weirdest, like, when she said, like, I don't trust Rourke, I was like, why, though? Yeah. Like, what has he done to make you not? And the reason is, is because he says, uh an alpha you know basically says an alpha killed my wife but he doesn't explicitly say that but we you get this you could put the story together from parts which again is another one of those frustrating parts is Mm -hmm. because clearly the alpha is the the big boss of this film yeah and he says like i'm specifically i'm just here to kill the alpha Um, So here's where a big plot point that bothers me is he says uh, in this in the same scene when he's talking to Lance Hendrickson, who's like the the head guy for all this this area, Mm -hmm. he says to him, they're like, he's like, where are you from? And he's like, New York. And he's like, oh, you got here all the way from New York by yourself. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, somebody actually, you know, is like. You know, we, oh, you got here all by yourself, and he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "How did you survive this whole time?" And he's like, "Well, there's a lot of those dead fuckers from, you know, he basically saying yeah. like, I left a trail of these creatures from the Bronx to Dallas." Yeah, and like there's uh, millions of them out there, Texas. and
1: he's like, "There's a whole lot fewer between here and the Bronx." That was a badass yeah. line.
0: Super badass line. Great line. Uh, but in that same, you know, in that same line, we learned that he uh, has traveled from New York to Dallas. But then, when he's talking to to Sam, the implication is is that this specific alpha in Texas is the one responsible for his wife, and they yeah. even say like the alphas after you specifically, mm-hmm. like it very. They very much make it seem, and we learn that the alpha is in fact after Rourke. But logistically, how?
1: And it it is also heavily implied, although I don't think ever actually stated that there are others of this, like, alpha-class vampire, zombie creature, whatever, out there. We only ever see this one, and so, like, we're left to assume, again, that, like, this one somehow has either been eluding or chasing Rourke this whole time. Uh, We don't know, but, like, somehow... Just coincidentally, when Rourke rolls into Dallas with, you know, holds up in this police station with this group of survivors, then it comes for them.
0: Well, not even that, because when they see the the alpha for, you know, when he sees the alpha for the first time when he goes in the headquarters, he was like, "Tell me about the big one." He was mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, he showed up here like three weeks ago." Yeah. And so it's like, he's been around, yeah. you know? And the other thing uh, uh, Rourke says specifically that when when he lays out his plan for going and, and bombing the hotel to like bury all of them, they were like, how do you know you can kill this alpha? And he's like, because I've done it before. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, so is it is it just a thing against all alphas? Is it this specific alpha? Like this is where a little bit of a background of his wife's story yep. Would have gone would have gone a long way. It exactly. Really would have solved a lot of questions. Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, so from from here out, the the movie does basically follow the the zombie movie formula that we talked about last week. Where you know, Strain One Hundred really didn't. This one does. Uh, Rourke meets a group of survivors. We learn that there's a big bad. The survivors have a plan to escape. They're gonna they they. Uh, they found a vehicle just before Sam's group got uh, ambushed, and you know she almost got got killed. Um, they found a plane, a cargo plane. She checked it out. She's she's small engine certified or single prop or whatever, but there's an actual pilot amongst them who, if they find a working plane, he can get them out of there, and they know about a survival colony somewhere out in the desert of Baja, California, uh, where it's too far out uh, for you know any of the creatures to get because uh, like they would have to, at some point, cross open daylight. Cool. Good plan. Follows the formula. Everyone's holed up. They find their escape. They're ready to go. And, of course, that's when everything goes to shit. And conveniently-slash-coincidentally... Also happens right when Rourke shows up into town. So you've got the tension of everyone blaming him. We're right on the formula here.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it follows it, yeah, to a T, because you've got the, you know, you've got the, like, uh, oh, oh, the one thing that it was missing is the, um, the character who hides the bite. Nobody yeah. did, which yeah. I really, really loved because as soon as they were bit, they instantly were like, "Nope, I'm done. Like, go yeah. away. Was, um but the other thing is the the turn is fast.
1: yeah. it's it's like within minutes there was one guy, like who, like he didn't really hide it. He just, like, it was like in the 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 tumult of the battle, some of you know some of the creatures get into the station. They don't quite know how. Although they had security cameras, but those got taken out, and something got in in the tumult. He gets bitten, and like everyone's kind of like regrouping, checking on each other. And he's standing there looking in his arm, and someone points out like he's he's been bitten, and it's like oh shit, no, not not in front of my daughter, please
0: yeah right i mean reasonable request and yeah Yeah. and
1: like you said it's a very fast turn like we we see it happen in the course of this conversation uh and they really like a lot of uh zombie stuff specifically will play with the timing of how long it takes someone to turn uh just based on what the plot needs in that moment this one doesn't really do that like people are either like They get bit, and they turn fast, or they get bit, and they're like, nope, I'm out, and, like, kill themselves.
0: Yeah, which was really nice. But timing is another thing I want to talk about in this movie, because this movie takes place in late July in Texas. Yes. So, uh, it's summertime, in Texas at this moment, it is some of the longest day daylight hours oh, yeah. uh, of, of the whole year. I mean, we're talking like uh, almost twelve hour light, light days, right? Oh, easily
1: more. Easily at the at that point, probably close to like 14 15.
0: Uh, it's it's ridiculous. So the problem so one of the big things is the big day, they go outside at the crack of dawn, which mm-hmm. they very specifically say we're going out at first light. They go out at first light. Only a only like a couple of things happen. Like we're only talking like one or two things happen, and then all of a sudden it's sunset again. Yeah, and then there's in that same scene that carryover because basically this takes place over the course of about twenty four hours, you know, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the problem is is that so they spend this day and like. Two things happen, all of a sudden it's sunset, like we've jumped 14 hours, no clue. You know, obviously we skipped things like eating, you know, like bathroom times and all those sort of things. But like, it felt like there was a large chunk of the day missing. Yeah. But then the big battle happens uh, at night and, you know, we get to the final battle and he leads him up and it's the middle of the freaking day again. Yeah. And that's how he ends up killing the Alpha. And it's really, it was really weird because I was like, dude, the night just started like 20 minutes ago in this movie. Like, th- like, what have you been doing for, for eight hours? Like, this just doesn't, it didn't make sense. It was really weird. Isn't
1: this, this has my brain going off on a, a side tangent. Isn't there a film of like a, a similar genre where the creatures somehow... Manage to, like, manipulate the, like, the day-night schedule or, like, manipulate, like, artificially create shade or something like that for themselves to operate in. Or am I making that up?
0: I, it sounds familiar, but I'm going to lean towards you made that up. Okay. Um, Write it down. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: and, like, it's especially with, I think, with with vampire stuff where they, they have to stay out of the sun Um, You get a lot of, like, they'll hide or they'll, like, stay in, like, semi-shaded areas, stuff like that. But, like, this, they're either, like, indoors during the day or, like, they, they like, they don't, like, if they run past a shaft of sunlight from a window, they don't immediately get hurt like, you know, we saw in, uh fucking, in Renfield. Um, Oh, right, yeah. But, you know, if they're caught outside in it during the day. But it doesn't seem, like... Twilight, dusk doesn't seem to bother them, so, like, some light, okay, but just, like, actual direct sunlight, uh, but, yeah, there, there was, the, the days were not timed properly.
0: Yeah. And and the other thing, you know, and I'm sure this was a matter of budget, uh, you know, because this is this is definitely a lower budget film, Um, you know, but I would say this is probably. uh, Oh, yeah. The budget was two million dollars. I would say that the uh, that probably another thing that was also off putting is that they did what's called day for night. Mm. So they shot scenes during the day, but then they used filters. They used a blue filter yeah. and less lighting to make it seem like it was nighttime. But the problem was, is that the sky was bright blue, Yep. you know, even like it was clear, no clouds, you know, so like it looked like daytime. That's why like some of those scenes where it's supposed to be the dawn, you know, the twilight hours, the dawn or dusk. Yeah. It still felt like it was three o'clock in the afternoon, which also didn't help with the timing issues of the day because it was like, wait, but you just just you just went outside.
1: Well and that's the thing too. Like if they were shooting this in the time in which it was supposed to be set, summer in Texas, uh you are you like you have to go out of your way to not have like broad daylight, bright yeah. clear skies. Uh it like it's just there for most of the day. So like yeah they they I guess they would kind of have to do that because there's almost not enough nighttime to really get good night shooting in.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you really don't get a lot of time. So, you know, it's, it, uh, which is why they probably did day for night, um, which is fine. I mean, it's a tactic, you know, it's a tactic used in a lot of films. Uh, yeah. you know, I've been on films where we've done day for night shots, um, and same thing with night for day. You know, I've done overnight shoots where, you know, it's, we're inside a house, but it's supposed to be daylight. So yeah. you shine a window out. Uh, you know, we shine a giant light from inside the the room, you know, outside the house in through a window to make sure. it look like a uh, day. Uh, one of the films that just came out recently on video on demand, Sid is dead. Um, most of the scenes that take place uh, well, not most, but a lot of the scenes that take place inside Sid's house were shot at night. Um, just because that's just how it worked. And yeah. so we had giant lights outside uh, shooting in and it, um, to make it seem like day. You got a decent lighting
1: person and an audience that's more paying attention to the story and less to the details like we would. It's fine. It works.
0: Yeah, It totally. Yeah. And, you know, even this one, uh, again, I, this is another one just because they the timing is weird because they said it was July 27th very specifically. Yeah. Then I was like, that means there's a lot of sun, you know, like that, that's, you know, if he was like, you know, Oh, what date is it? And they were like October 25th, I'd be like, okay, cool. There's like 10 hours of daylight. Got it. Like, you know, not a lot of time, maybe, maybe nine. Um, just so be like, I get it. Um, so it would be, I would totally understand in that case, but they put it dead in the middle of summer. So, or at least to the start of summer.
1: So it's, I'm trying to find the actual, uh daylight schedule for july 27th in dallas uh this year's sunrise on july 27th will be at 6 37 a.m and sunset will be at 8 29 p.m and mind you sunrise and sunset are just when the sun is actually visible or no longer visible on the horizon that's not counting the variations on uh twilight and dusk so yeah that is a
0: shit ton it's 14 hours of
1: daylight yeah
0: yeah. That's a lot of time to do the one task they had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, even if that task took them five hours, we're still talking nine hours left of daylight.
1: Which the task that they were engaged in was definitely no no small feat. There were two groups, uh, one that was split up to go find additional vehicles because during the night, during the attack, the creatures had managed to actually block their escape from the, you know, you know they had this... Uh, fortified parking garage that they were going to escape from in their multiple vehicles, ready to go. Uh, they couldn't get the door open. Uh, so they had to go out and try to find additional vehicles because there wasn't time to move, like to clear the wreckage and still get out of town. And again, with how much daylight they had to work with, that was questionable, but I understand it's a ton of labor. Uh, somehow the creatures were able to do it in a night. But they correctly pointed out that if you if we only get this half done, they're just going to redo it tonight. Uh, yeah. So one group's doing that. They're you know, searching all over the city of Dallas for working vehicles and correctly acknowledge that after three years of inactivity, there's not going to be very many. And that's something that I appreciated about this film that most apocalypse films don't do. Most of them just, just really play fast and loose with the fact that there would still be vehicles working 10, 20, 100 years later, uh, or fuel available that works. Meanwhile, the other team, which was intended to be a solo mission by Rourke, but a bunch of other guys decide to join up with him, uh, you know, of course, as we know as viewers, signing their own death Deathborns uh, to go and infiltrate the nest with the intent of taking out the, specifically taking out the Alpha, but uh, basically like blowing it up and like killing as many of them as possible, collapsing the building if possible, and preventing them from coming after the humans as they escape. So two groups, big tasks, a lot of work to do, but none of which should have taken the entire fucking day. And mind you, the airfield that they're trying to reach is 90 miles away. if the roads are obscured and you've got to drive slowly, we're talking a few hour drive. If they have clear open highway getting out of the city because the apocalypse happened quickly enough to like not have like massive traffic jams and stuff, you could do that in an hour and a half. so like it's not like they have to like do an all-day trek like they've got to get everyone together and walk it like all they need to do is be able to just have a clear path and get the hell out. But they're like, we don't, we won't have time if we don't go right now. Why though?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the thing. And like,
1: if, if there's some sort of like blockage or something like that, that is established that like, it's going to be a difficult trip. Cool. Say that. Because just saying like, we're not going to have time.
0: Fucking why? Explain your work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 Show, show your work, show right? Your work. <laughs> that's that's exactly, yeah, that was that was another issue with this because, you know, that again is like the where they're playing very fast and loose with time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it was like, what have you been doing all day? Like, how did it take you nine hours to find, you know, to find vehicles? Like, maybe, but like, say all... that. You'd know, be like, we've been searching for eight hours, you know, like something just to give me an, a sense of time.
1: And they only found two, including a fucking, like, Hyundai Sonata from like 2002 or something.
0: Yeah. It was a Hyundai Impala actually. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, and that's, and then, and then they find a giant school bus, basically a military school bus um, uh, that they end up, you know, that they're going to end up using. Um, But just as that bus pulls up, all the zombies come in and that's where we have the scene where the zombies invade HQ, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the giant last battle finally ensues, you know, but the thing about this movie is that, we don't get an ending, really. No, because Rourke kills the alpha, and but then what happens? Nothing. We yeah. don't know. Do they make it to the airbase? Does he even go with anybody? Do just the the people go? Like, yeah. I mean, the what impl- happens?
1: The implication is that Rourke has done what he what he came to do, and is just going to move on. I guess maybe continuing to hunt alphas because he's not going to be satisfied until he's he's killed them all. But he doesn't say that. He just uh like, he's just like I'm not going with you, um, and he kind of designates Sam uh, to you know to continue leading the the people to safety. So presumably she's in charge now because Rourke has the authority <laughs> to do that.
0: Because some random dude uh, yeah. said so, uh,
1: which I don't necessarily have a problem with. The character of Sam being set up to be a, 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 a leader of this group, except that she was so kind of like wooden and timid. And I don't know if that's writing or delivery or both, but like wasn't really the like take charge kind of badass leader that you would expect Uh, from this character specifically. Uh, But yeah, presumably they just, they they part ways and they go. The one thing I did appreciate is that they didn't shoehorn a fucking romance story into it.
0: Yep. You know what? As soon as he rescued her in the beginning of the movie, like the first 12 minutes of the movie... And he rescued her, and then he came down to her. I was like, "Gotcha, love interest." Here yep. we go. But he never even—not even like a wink of it, like yeah. nothing. Because as soon as he gets to headquarters, she's like, "I don't trust this motherfucker." Yep. And then they don't really share scenes with each other for the rest of the movie Make- because he goes off to the to the thing um, to to go kill the alpha zombie. They don't even actually talk until the very end of the movie, where he's like, "Nope, it's you. Go." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very. Uh, I appreciated it, but it was also very interesting that that was the case. There wasn't really like, yeah, there wasn't any even hint of it. Like a will they, won't they? They just will not. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no, they will not. No, uh, they will. Not. So yeah, we we are left as the audience to assume Rourke continues his quest. Sam and the pilot lead the people to Baja. And we're just supposed to hope that it is actually a safe haven, as they hope it is, as they expect it to be. And they continue on. Uh, Rourke is of the opinion, and I think that's part of why he won't go with them, that the, no matter how far you go and how much daylight you have between you and them, they will find a way. Uh, which implies that he knows things that they don't. Uh, which, again, what aren't you telling us?
0: Yeah, that that is another one of those, like, any slight hint of Rourke's backstory. I get the mysterious hero type vibe that they were going for because, you know, Johnny Strong definitely plays that character well. Yeah. Um, But there is a point where you have to say something. Like, you have to give us something. That
1: brings up another interesting point that this film chose not to do was tell us anything about Rourke specifically. Not even just yeah. not 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 the, the history of the plague, not really what happened to his wife, not why he's he's hunting the alphas, but specifically why is he such a fucking badass? Like, was he, like, as, as we've said before, like, usually it's some sort of like, oh, he's, ex, he's ex-military. he's ex He was a cop. In fact, most of the the dudes at the, the station were all ex-cops. Okay, cool. We have their reasoning. Uh, but was Rourke ex-military? Was he ex-cop? At one point he's asked, like, were you a cop or a con or whatever? And, like, we don't know any of this. I personally choose to believe that he was just like, fucking, like, marketing or something like that. He was, like, just random regular dude and, like, saw his wife killed and went, like, full John Wick on the entire country. That's what I choose to believe, that, like, yeah. he never had a, a goddamn second of training... No idea what he was doing until, like, he first picked up a gun and, like, just plowed his way across the the country through through vampire zombies, uh, leaving a, a bloody trail in his wake. That's that's my personal headcanon for this film. From,
0: from the Bronx to Dallas, this accountant <laughs> is going to be yeah. counting bodies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's like, that's a story I want. I, want, just, I would like, watch that. Regular asshole who just has to figure it out and, like, becomes the ultimate badass and everyone assumes that they're like military or like, you know, special forces or something like that.
0: And he's just like, no, I, I ran a bakery. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that the, isn't that the plot of that film? Nobody or Mr. Nobody, uh, Uh, and nobody with Bob Odenkirk.
1: Oh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And like you, every now and then you see that, like if you have a a series, like a walking dead type series, like there'll be a character that like, so what did you do before all this? I was a fucking TikTok influencer. Like, I didn't do shit. Right. Like, Glenn, yeah. one of the best characters in the entirety of The Walking Dead franchise was a pizza delivery boy before. Yeah. I, I, like, I love that backstory. Like, that was great because he became a badass through just sheer necessity. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Whereas you have Rick, who was a former sheriff and, yep. you know, so like he knows he's got training and he's been around for a while. Yeah. Cause that, you know, that's always, you know, Army of Dead is another great example where they're all ex-military, Yeah, you know, people. We had that one film where it was all ex-military, uh, you know, so like, yeah, I mean, you kind of need at least one of those characters mm-hmm. like in, in the, in the film just to be like, I'm going to tell you all how to handle guns and that's how you all know because I know. So yep. I told you and not just like, I don't know, I perfectly know how to handle this semi-automatic rifle and reload it and shoot and hold it uh, by chance, you know, <laughs> instead of like, oh, this guy taught me, you know, or this this girl. Or girl. Uh, uh,
1: I did have a moment very uh, early on that I attribute uh, specifically to... Uh, playing uh, FPS games, uh, but there was the, the big gun battle between the the marauders and the the cops or whatever. <clears throat> and I just kept finding myself thinking, all right, everyone's, you know, they're they're shooting from cover. Why is no one tossing a grenade? Um, yeah, right. Now, mind you, that does get some payoff later on. Like in like the, the battles in like the hotel and then the police station, we get a few grenade tosses. They're not nearly as satisfying as they want them to be, except for... There's a a Russian man named Vlad, uh, who has his last stand, like he runs out of ammo for his, you know, his M16 or whatever he's he's holding. He shoots until he's out of ammo with his pistol. He stabs a bunch of zombies with his knife. And then when like all hope is lost for him, he just pulls out a grenade and waits for them to come. (laughs) That <laughs> was yeah. like yes, Vlad, Yes.
0: Which is great. Oh, so speaking of which, I do want uh, before we go, I want to I want to talk about that one scene. So in that opening uh, uh action scene where it's the marauders um and the cops, that one was uh framed up really poorly mm-hmm. because when they started shooting, I was like I don't know who is shooting at who. That is true. Like, it, like all my directions were turned around and I felt like, you know, everyone was shooting and I'm like, this just feels like chaos. Like I just, I can't tell where you're shooting mm-hmm. because, you know, at the same time we, you know, we were like, where's, where's the woman, the, the woman who was crying over the doll because she was used as bait. Yeah. And it was like, where's this woman the whole time? Because she was dead in the middle of where you guys are all shooting like what is happened like it was just so confusing and disorienting that like it was it was very jarring and i i didn't like that that setup and i think that could have used just one wide shot of them all shooting at each other just to so be established where people are exactly and who which to, who's shooting who.
1: Agreed. I think for the most part the technical elements of this film the the photography the sound and whatnot the foley work was was, was really good but there were a few moments where it's just like ah, that could have used a second look to like you you like you you got to realize that like something's not adding up here. I did think it was really interesting. Like I saw the woman bent over in the road. Uh, knew she was obviously bait, but you know, like there was, there's no way yeah. that she wasn't cause like they, she was right there in the path of the cop cars that pulled up. Um, yeah, and
0: it was sunlight, so she wasn't a creature. So but like, that was the thing, like
1: yeah. it, it was really unclear at first in a good way. I think, uh, yeah. whether she was somehow like bait for the creatures, Uh, as we see sometimes with, you know, a a creature who, like, is a a mutation that can withstand the sunlight or, like, has been put in place, like, by the creatures to attract more people uh, or, as we learn, bait used by a group of humans. Uh, And I thought that that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if I would have had a preference on on how that goes, uh, but I think that the character uh, was basically wasted after that. She had, like... 30 seconds of screen time after this scene and was completely unimportant to the plot. So, huh. Just, you know... Just some notes. You know what...
0: Right. You know what I would have loved? And I was like, Ooh, I wonder if this is, if this is going to happen. Like, I know, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I wanted it to happen. There's a scene uh, later in the headquarters when the headquarters gets invaded and she's being hustled up the stairwell and she drops the the baby doll mm-hmm. and she's like, cause she named it Jacob. She's like, Jacob, no, I just wanted her like, like click. And then just be like rampage yeah. and just like <laughs> pop pop pop, like headshots, jumping down, stabbing him in the face. You're like I was just like, I want her to like activate right now. You that know, like sleeper cell activate style. Incredible. You know, like born Jason Bourne style, like, and then just go bonkers and everyone's like, all right. You know, but that's that wasn't the tone of that movie. Yeah. Um, and it really would have been uh, good. So uh so daylights end. Um again, streaming on 2B TV in America as of time of recording this. Uh, I have to say, I liked this movie a lot better than I liked Strain One Hundred.
1: I liked this movie a lot better than I've liked most zombie films that I've that I've watched. Being like totally honest, like even setting aside the like the plot holes and a few of the technical issues that we've had, this rode the the, the formula so well and was also technically pretty good that like it was it was fun it was an enjoyable kind of stupid but like kept its focus pretty well action movie uh and i have to say like for the the first half of the month bracketed up against uh strain 100 this movie loses uh strain 100 was definitely
0: worse yes so just as a reminder that's how we're doing we're voting on the worst movie not the best of the worst yes So, yeah, so Strain 100, I would say, for this half of the month, moves forward Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the big four. So Strain 100 is now in the semifinal or in the finals. Yep. Uh, and it is, uh, it's going to go up against whatever the last two movies, uh, we've got going on, Mm -hmm. which again, all movies this month are on Tubi TV. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're ready for that, uh, you know, so just as we can go through them, uh, next month is a movie called Trench 11 or next week is Trench 11. And the movie after that is called Dead Sight. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you want to kind of get a jump on them, but the best way to learn what movie we're going to be reviewing is if you subscribe and listen to our bonus episodes that drop every single Thursday uh, over on YouTube and on your podcast player of choice. Uh, So if you hit subscribe now on your podcast player of choice, you'll be notified when Thursday happens and we will remind you of the movie we're reviewing on Sunday. It's just that easy.
1: You know, the biggest problem with this film, honestly, when compared to Strain 100, is that nobody corked any of the guns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't understand that joke, please watch uh, last uh, week's episode or go watch Strain 100 with the subtitles on. Yes. <laughs> Gun corks uncorks the gun. Uh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so there it is everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to today's episode. We super appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, subscribe. So you get notified when we have that bonus episode on Thursday, you can watch it either over on YouTube or on your podcast player of choice. Uh, listen in as you do whatever you do, uh, during the day. I don't know.
1: We got got to wrap this up. There's only like seven hours of daylight left and we're going to run out
0: real fast. (laughs) We're going to run out real fast. Yeah. So here it is. We're going to go. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. And we will see you next time.